can drink, and from his belly, from his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Lord, we come alive in that river. I came alive 44 plus years ago, Lord, in the river of your grace and your mercy. And we just thank you, Lord. There's many here that have been, been longer than that and some a lot shorter than that. But, Lord, one thing we do know, we surrender to you and we give our lives to you and we want to serve you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, Lord, we'll need your Holy Spirit's help to do that, to stay strong, to be courageous, serving you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let us today, Lord, those over the Internet, come alive in the Spirit, Lord God, and may they get to know you more and more and better and better. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. We're glad you're all here today. For those online that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. If you're local, stop by. If you're on the other side of the world, that's okay. You can still tune in every week at 10 a.m. on Sunday and 7.15 on uh, Thursday nights. So um, we're glad to have you. Um, I'm Pastor Joe, as I said. Um, you can go online, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. Check us out, what we're about. You can listen to any messages from about seven years back, and um, you can even donate online, whatever you see fit, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. So um, I'm glad everybody's here. For everybody online, we're glad you're there. Stay tuned. Every Sunday, until we're done with the book of Matthew, we will be... In the book of Matthew, there's 28 chapters. You know, this chapter, we're not even going to get to the end of the chapter. So there's going to be about at least 30 weeks of, uh, of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And we're already in chapter 5, so you can subtract that from the, the flow. But you, anybody that knows the Bible well knows that chapter 5 is the Beatitudes. So I named this message, the Beatitudes, the heart of the kingdom. You're going to see the heart of the Lord here today as we go through through the, the, the um, Beatitudes. So it's the heart of the kingdom. This is what, what the heart of the whole kingdom is about, and that's what Jesus is telling us. The ser- this Sermon on the Mount is one of five discourses in Matthew. The next, ma- next discourse is, is the call of the disciples. Then in chapter 13, we have the seven parables that we're going to be looking at. I don't think we'll get through that in in one session. Um, Then we have the church and the kingdom and forgiveness in chapter 18. And then we have what a lot of people are looking at today is the Olivet Discourse, which is the end times, you know, um, eschatology as it's, it's known. So this is the heart of the kingdom, and the Lord's going to tell us a whole lot. And what would the world be like if we did not have these Beatitudes? of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be a terrible world we live in because this is some, what can I say, um, rules for life. Jesus is going to teach about the kingdom standards here, not religious standards. You know, he got in a lot of trouble because he didn't go by the religiosity in the, in, of the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. He got in trouble with them because he wasn't teaching you know, their laws. That was a man-made book, you know, but his word is, is the word of God. When we get to a, a certain chapter, uh, verse, probably next week we're going to start these, Jesus will say something like this. 
the world says, but I say to you. You can see the, the dominance that he has. You know, this will cause, um, because he's not teaching religious standard, it's going to cause him big problems and rejection by the Jewish leadership. Kingdom standards, what Jesus is saying is, kingdom standards are higher than your standards. And we got to get rid of your standards because kingdom standards are totally different. So, let's read verse 1. I'm going to turn there first. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. Let's, I'm going to read to the 12th chapter, 12th, 12th um, let's say 13th, uh, 14th verse, okay? I'm reading from the New American Standard. And when Jesus saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be fill, filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before them, before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, it is tasteless. How will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, and a city set, set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel. It says peck measure here, but in, and I like the bushel better. But on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you may see their good work, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to, f to uh, fulfill it. Let's stop there, okay? We'll go back to first one. Remember, I opened up today quoting or reading Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. First of all, if my people who are called by my name, you know what? If you're a Christian, or if you're anyone, a Jewish person that believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, you are called by his name, a Christian. And God expects his Christians to live up to his name as best we can. If my people who are called by my name, Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever you want to call them, through his son Jesus Christ, 
will humble themselves and pray. And you're going to see this, this verse in the scriptures that we're going to study here today. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And God promises this. He will hear from heaven. He will forgive your sin and he will heal your land. Boy, does America need healed. You know that when you watch the news and see what's going on. How about this? No, boy, does the world need healed. I watch the things going on TV and hear the things. I say, how can men be so evil? But I remember before I knew Christ, I wasn't so hot after all either. They don't know God. And therefore, you know, the devil has full right to them to, to lead them in, in the ways that are not good. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5. We're doing expositional studies on Thursday nights and on Sundays. So um, some of you may not be used to that, but I tell you what, that's the way it, it should be. There are topical. Who knows if God's going to interrupt this, this uh, study in Matthew with a topical message as we go along. But I'm sure one thing, he'll tie it in and gear it all together so it works perfectly. Verse 1, when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Seeing the multitudes, if you remember last chapter, you know, Jesus began his ministry and he was healing every kind of disease. Let me read it for you. Verse, uh, chapter 4, um, verse 23 to 25. And Jesus was going about in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of diseases and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him went out into all Syria and they brought to him all who were ill, taken with various diseases and pains and demoniacs and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great multitude followed him from Galilee to Decapolis and Jerusalem and to Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Listen, Jesus was healing people. They were bringing them from all over the place, and a great multitude came to Jesus, and he uses that as leverage to preach the greatest, greatest, one of the greatest uh, messages in the Bible, the Beatitudes. He does that purposely, gathers a big crowd so as many people can hear it, and then they can take it and disperse into the world. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. The Beatitudes here, I just want you to know, since these people are following Jesus, they are believers. The Beatitudes really are for believers. So if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, these Beatitudes are foreign to you. You might know them or heard of them, but then you're, not, you're not living in them because you're not a believer. And I'm sure some of those people that followed Jesus became believers. And I'm hoping some people that are here today or over the year, you know, that they become believers. Verse 3 says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. You know what blessed means? It, you could be translated very easily to happy. And beatitudes, what does that mean? It means esteemed by God. These beatitudes are esteemed by God. They're divine logic of the kingdom of heaven, the divine logic of the kingdom of heaven, which earth has no comparison to it. Earth's way, I tell everybody, if, if the earth is going this way, the world's going this way, turn around and go the other way, because that's usually God. They're divine, it's a divine paradox, which means a statement that runs contrary to your expectation. 
A lot of these, this don't make sense to the religious scribes and Pharisees to be meek. Somebody thinks you're meek, you're weak. It's not true. Meekness is, is strength or power under control. You, you're, you're, not, you're humble, yes, but you're not going to force your uh, theology or whatever down a person's throat. It's a paradox, a statement that runs contrary to man's expectation. Beatitudes really are going to show you what the kingdom of heaven is like. All believers should be qual uh, characterized, I should say, by these qualities that we're going to read here today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You should be, as a Christian, poor in spirit. And I'll get into that a little bit later, not long, uh, what the poor in spirit means. But as we go through these Beatitudes, I want you to ask yourself, am I characterized by these qualities? Are you poor in spirit? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. You're in need of God's resources. And everybody out there, people that don't know God, they, they, they don't care about God. It's like they don't need God. I'm going to tell you what, we all need God, especially if you're going to draw your last breath because you don't know what falls on the other side except what Jesus told you. And he says one thing, God's wrath against sin, you don't want to be part of it. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God, rejecting his son Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. These are poor in spirit or people that are, are begging for a breeze from God, a break. I need help, God. Poor in spirit are those who, who know the kingdom can only be entered through those who know their inability to enter in their own resources. You can't enter into heaven by your own resources. In other words, if you go to church every Sunday, you're not gonna, that's not going to get you to heaven. If you've been teaching Sunday school for 40 years, it's not going to get you to heaven. What's going to get you to heaven is belief in Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. I read that last week, and probably every Sunday that I preach, I probably use that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That Paul has a message of first importance, that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and he is risen according to the scriptures the third day. That is the gospel in a nutshell, simple as that. And the church and religiosity makes it so hard for you to follow. We well, have to do this and you have to do that. You have to fast on this day. You have to, have to do this. You have to work in the church. You have to tithe. You have to do this. Listen, the only thing that gets you to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you and you received it as your Savior. That is a person that's poor in spirit. They're, they recognize their inability to enter the kingdom by their resources. Because you gave a million dollars to the church. Or like one of those big corporations that, that give $30 million to a, a great cause, which is great. But it don't get you to heaven. I personally know a man, when he died, he was a multimillionaire. When he died, he gave $5 million to a church he never attended. And I knew him well. And he, by, by judging by his actions, he was not a believer. I remember trying to talk to him. He didn't want to hear it. He's dead and gone now. 
I hope to God that he accepted the Lord. They're poor in spirit are those that they know they're unworthy and unwilling to repent. They know they're unworthy, and they are willing, I'm sorry, to repent and receive God's forgiveness. That's what Jesus started his ministry, remember, in chapter 3? He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here because the king is here. When you realize you're a sinner and you mourn over your sin, the Lord will say to you, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's where the church kind of gets wrong. They want to bring all this sin into the church. When Jesus told the adulteress that was caught in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. You know what that is? That's repentance. The world needs to repent. The church even needs to repent. I need to repent. As I tell you, the preacher always gets a double or triple dose of what he's teaching. It's meant for me first, then you. Have you repented? And have you returned to the Lord and forsaken your sin? You know, you might not be able to forsake all of them at once, but you can at least start somewhere. Start with the cigarettes or the foul mouth or, the, or the, the drunkenness or whatever it is that you have a problem with. And each of us is different. I mentioned to you, my foul mouth went like that, especially the Lord's name in vain. Ooh, break my heart to take the Lord's name in vain. Then went the cigarettes. Then it took years to get rid of the alcohol, but it happened. God delivered me from it. Here's parable number two in verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know what mourn means? It means touched by the heaviness of life. They're blessed. They are blessed because these are just temporary sufferings. And that's soon to be forgotten. If you turn to Revelation 21, 4 and 5, here's what it says. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death. There will be no more, no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And then the first verse says, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He's going to make all things new in the end of all things. We were talking about that this morning as we were making the coffee. He's going to make all things new. You know, this world is going to waste away. It's going to be burned up with fire, and a whole new heaven and a whole new earth is going to come down. And everybody say, well, what's that going to be like? What's it going to be like? I'm going to tell you, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men all that God has prepared for those who love you, who love him. He had, there's going to be, listen, I hate death. I've done too many memorials, and I'm doing one in a couple weeks. I hate death. I can't wait till death is thrown into the lake of fire. Then there's going to be no more mourning. There's going to be no more tears and no more crying, all these things that you, you, you 
you had happened to you in your life or is not going to happen in the kingdom of heaven. There's not going to be any tears or any mourning. And Paul tells the Corinthian church in chapter 4 and verse 17, For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, you know why a moment? Because your life on the scale of eternity, you need a, a high-powered mag magnifying glass to even see your life on the scale of eternity. This momentary affliction is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. He's, you know, you're going to be rewarded for these things in the future, and we're going to see some of that as we move through the, the Beatitudes, how, how God will, will protect us, and you can rejoice in your sufferings. Parable number 3, verse 5. Blessed are the gentle or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek, as I said earlier, is not weakness. It is strength under control. If you have your Bibles there, turn to Genesis chapter 12. And verse 2. I should have started at the beginning. It's closer than where I was. Genesis chapter 12 and verse, I'm sorry, it's Numbers. Why did I say Genesis? Numbers, verse 12, and, and chapter 12 and verse 3. And they... Numbers 12, verse 3. Okay, now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Listen, do you picture Moses as weak? You know, standing up for the, the Israel and the greatest nation in the world at the time, the Egyptians, all these miracles. You think he was meek and weak to go before Pharaoh who could have snuffed him out at any time? No. And you know what? Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. You know who wrote that? Who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. This is what Moses is saying about himself, but it was penned by the Holy Spirit. And Moses is the, the, is the meekest guy on the face of the earth. You know what? Some of the greatest people in the Bible were meek. Daniel was very meek. How about Joshua? You know, Joshua chapter 1 tells you that, that Joshua was Moses' servant. He was Moses' servant, and he became the great general in all of, all of Israel. You know, we have a, guy, a young man here who uh, comes to our Bible study or men's group on Saturday morning, and he... You know, when I first met him, he came in with his father, and he's been here ever since. He goes to this different church. As soon as I met him, and, I, and the way he talked, I went up to him, and I gave him a hug, and I said, you're a pastor. Do you know about three months later, the church that he attends made him a pastor? You know why? Because I sensed that he was very humble. And he is. He's a very humble man. Every time we're done with the Bible study, he cleans the coffee pot and cleans up and everything. 
And I said, how's your pastor position? He said, well, it's a lot of this and that, you know, mostly doing odds and end works that nobody would want to do. And I said, that's the way a true pastor will start. Be humble. Be humble. Moses was humble. He was humbled in the wilderness for those 40 years after he fled from Pharaoh for trying to kill him because he killed an Egyptian. You remember that. You know who else is humble? Isaiah. When he saw God, he says, that he, here's what he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for my eyes have seen the king. Humble. Jesus, even in his ministry, you know, he said, I am meek and I'm lowly at heart. You want to be great? Be meek. Be humble. If you're proud, get rid of it. It's a big, big stumbling block. Block. The meek do not desire control. They don't. They don't desire control. They're humble. They'll do whatever it takes. Usually when I ask somebody to do something around here, I usually say, I'm not telling you to do anything I've already done. Because I want you to know that humility, and Jesus wants you to know that Humility is very important to be meek. Jesus himself was meek. Do you picture Jesus as meek? He, he spoke meek. He had to have a very booming, loud voice because there were no microphones and amplifiers back then. There were natural amplifiers, you know, in the, in the, on the lake where the sound travels a lot further. He had to have a big, booming voice, but yet, yet he was meek. And not only that, when the scribes and the Pharisees approached him, he told them, he says, you're just like your father, who was a father of lies, the devil. He wasn't scared. He wasn't upset. He was strong. He was courageous. When they tried to throw him off the cliff, he just walked right through the crowd. Being poor in spirit means timid. Humble, submissive, and even desperate. Even desperate if you're poor in spirit. Note the order that we have so far. We're going to see it as we move a little further. But the order. First, you must be poor in spirit. Then, you must, you're, you're, you're mourning over your sin. And third, you're meek. And the meek will inherit the kingdom and the fourth one is for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because you have gotten rid of the junk in your life, the trash in your life. The question is, have you, over the internet and those here, have you got rid of the trash in your life, the junk that doesn't belong there? God tells you, you can't be filled because you're not empty. You have to empty yourself to be filled. Isaiah told us, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Listen, you want to be a believer because God hears the believer when he prays. You know what? If you're an unbeliever, and you're praying for an answer, 
and you don't believe in Jesus, 